The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you about com. I got Elliot Chris, the boss man, on this episode of the Quant, uh, of Bench with Bubba. But you need to go check out com. They're going to crush the NFL DFS season. It's their second year over there. They're already crushing best ball content. I tripled up my money on the Hall of Fame game. I never played the Hall of Fame game. It was all because of the content and the member Discord over there. They have great tools, brand new websites out. They have an iOS app coming in a few weeks. The optimizers revamped the tools, over 24 articles a week. So much awesome stuff over there. Go check it out, thequantage.com. But to make it really fun for you, because I do some baseball content over there, and I know a lot of you listeners listen to my baseball stuff as well, go buy the NFL package for $149.99. Use promo code Bubba. You get the rest of MLB for free. So go check it out, quantage.com. Buy the NFL package for $149.99. Use promo code Bubba. Get baseball free. Cash, cash, cash. You're welcome. All right. Also, go check out Draft.com. There's a great place to play daily fantasy sports. You don't have to worry about ownership. It's snake-style drafts. It's auctions. It's best ball. Awesome stuff over there. Different formats of each kind. It is amazing. If you're new to it, it's in your app store under Draft or online at Draft.com. Make your first deposit with promo code SDSports. SD as in dog sports. And you'll get a free $3 entry into any tournament of your choice. So go to Draft.com. Draft in your app store. Promo code SDSports. Lastly, if you give a rating and review on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it. It would help the podcast move up the standings and the new standings they're making. They're separating sports and fantasy, all kinds of cool stuff. It'd mean a lot to me. Take a couple seconds out of your time. Rating and review on iTunes, would really appreciate it. All right, everybody. Welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 199 with Elliot Christ of thequantedge.com doing your fantasy football running back preview. back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 199 gonna give the fantasy football running back preview in order to do so joined by a special guest a 
I think it's the third time on Bench with Bubba. You can find all of his great content over at the Quant Edge, as he is the man, the myth, the legend over there. And on Twitter, at Elliot Chris. Elliot, how are we doing, man? I'm doing great. I got to be honest, in my heart of heart, I kind of wish this was episode 200. You know, that I could feel like one of those UFC fighters that they headline the whole summer event around. But, you know, 199 is still nice. That's a, that's a hell of an accomplishment, getting 199 football podcasts out there. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you were close. You were really close. It was just kind of happened to, to be how it, I, I didn't even plan it out. It just kind of came together this way. But um, we'll have to get you on for 300 or something like that. There um, we go. Like I said in the deal, we're going to do running back preview. But before we do that, I promote the product before every episode we do. But I'll let you speak to the masses because you probably have even more knowledge on it than I do. What's coming up with Quantage this year? Yeah, man, I'm, I got to be honest, we're really excited. We just launched the new website. You know, the iOS app will be ready for NFL season. We're doing pre preseason DFS content. We'll actually have a DK optimizer for preseason as well. You know, brand new optimizers, brand new mobile experience, four new NFL tools, including a pace tool, dynamic rankings, weekly matchups. Uh, we'll have our injury tool that's custom to us, wide receiver, cornerback matchups. We're going to add college football betting. You know, there's a lot of different stuff going on over there. And you know, one thing we also wanted to do was kind of give give people an experience for free. So we actually have free week trials where we'll email you the, the night before it was it's supposed to renew. So you don't kind of get tricked into spending any money. That's, you know, we're, we're giving you a warning. But, you know, a, a situation where you get to experience everything. You let, come in, let us know what you think. We'll work on improving things. And hopefully we can convince you to subscribe to thequanage.com. Yep, no doubt about it. And uh, I said it a lot. I highly recommend it, people. If you want to play uh, NFL DFS betting-wise, anything, that's the place to be this uh, this upcoming fall. So go check it out at quantedge.com. Let's get into the running back previews here. We'll kick it off with the, the easy one, the top four. It's kind of unanimous. The order varies from draft to draft, but it's unanimous between Saquon, Christian McCaffrey, Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott. When you're looking at the big four, how do you differentiate them when you head into a draft? Um, honestly, because I have so many drafts in best ball, it's kind of been ADP. So I was just taking Barkley at one, McCaffrey at two, Zeke at three, and Kamara at four because I didn't want to go overweight on anyone. Um, I ended up getting a lot of one on one, so that strategy didn't necessarily work as well as I thought it might. But uh, <laughs> Barkley and McCaffrey are my two favorite guys. You know... I, I understand Mike Tagliere's point about, you know, you want running backs in top five offenses historically. But the NFL is a new age NFL where these backs, weighted opportunity and snaps are the most important things. And Barkley's going to play a lot, and he's going to be a huge part of that offense. I mean, no Golden Tate the first four weeks of the season. Sterling Shepard broke his thumb. Corey Coleman's out for the year. I, they let go of that number 13 guy that apparently uh, <laughs> is pretty decent. Um <laughs> And it's basically Barkley and Evan Ingram. Like, and people talk about blowout situations, Barkley averaged like 11 targets per game in that area. You know, that Daniel Jones and Eli Manning love to dump the football off. They're going to run their team through Barkley. And, you know, even though people are going to talk about eight men in the box, he was PFF's third highest graded running back against eight men in the box. And Barkley's a terrifying guy to do eight men in the box against because if he breaks through that first level, you know, it's good night, put the kids to bed. Right, It's a situation where Barkley has, in the NFL, the second most plays of 49 or more yards of any running back in the NFL, and he's only played one season. Jesus. You know, he's, a different, he's, a, he's a different kind of dude. He, 
he legit could see 130, 140 targets this season. You know, like wide receiver one volume. He won't have any air yards because the Giants have yet to learn that you can get him isolated on linebackers and take advantage of him down the field. But, you know, I'm, he's going to have amazing volume, volume, and I'm here for it. And McCaffrey, you know, he's, he set the NFL record for snaps percentage among running backs. And, you know, they said they want to limit his snaps but increase his workload. At the end of the day, his receiving upside, his floor, his weekly floor, the fact that he's now getting touchdown equity in that offense, they're going to run Cam less on design plays this year. I think he's incredibly solid. Zeke, I would say, is right there with him. But because he – everyone was like, he's going to hold out. But today's kind of the day he was going to report being August 6th. And, you know, that didn't happen. So now there's – I think there's actually, like, legit concern that Zeke's a crazy person is going to hold out for the year. Um, I do think they eventually get the deal done. But I think it – and I'm still comfortable taking him top five. But um, I, I think that this makes him knock below Barkley and McCaffrey. And Kamara – you know, Kamara would be my one-on-one if Latavius Murray wasn't there and they were going to play him 80% of the snaps like they did in the first four games of the last season where he outscored any other running back by 20 points in PPR. You know, he's as efficient as any running back ever, which is why he's in this conversation despite the fact he's going to play 60 to 65% of the snaps. And even Sean Payton told Evan Silva that I don't want uh, Kamara playing 80% of the snaps. Like I, he doesn't, he should not be having that kind of workload. Um, they've been very public about it historically, other than when Ingram's out. They've done that, with the exception of maybe a big playoff game. So I think that's why he's right below. And then, you know, quite frankly, I think David Johnson's the guy that's grouped with them that's missing in this tier. Oh, we're going to get to him in a minute because I know you have love for him. But um, Alvin Kamara, I'm glad you said that he could be a 1.01 because I have a I, – I wouldn't oppose anybody from. I wouldn't oppose anybody from taking any of these guys in any order. You can make arguments for all of them. I think Kamara is just so explosive, but there is that concern of all times, you know, um, that they do give Murray an extra workload certain games and others, and you can't really dictate that. Where you know Barkley and McCaffrey are the, the boys, like they're getting the job done uh, time and time again, unless some godforsaken reason they get hurt. So yeah, it, it seems pretty clit and dry. I, I'd want uh, Barkley or McCaffrey up top, and then going from there. Uh, you mentioned the Ezekiel hell, uh, holdout. Let's talk about a couple of those. So Ezekiel's out right now. Melvin Gordon is holding out right now. It depends on what you read, what tea leaves you read. Both, like Many <laughs> people think they're both coming back. Some people think they're going to hold out forever. Le'Veon Le- Le- Bell was starting the charge today on Twitter about telling these guys <laughs> to stay strong. Like It was all over the place right now. If you're... <sighs> If these guys do hold out, or if you think, because going into draft right now, you just got to speculate, how would you approach their backup situations? Um, I mean, for me, I want Tony Pollard and Austin Eckler. Tony Pollard's actually my my highest owned running back on draft. You know, because if if Melvin Gordon and Zeke come back, these guys are still going to have roles in the offense. Tony Pollard was an elite college receiving running back. They've talked about playing him at slot. He's breaking down every linebacker and is going to be involved in the pass game, whether Zeke plays or doesn't play. And that's the same exact story for Austin Eckler. So these guys, they obviously get a big volume boom if Zeke and Gordon hold out. But if not, they still have absolute roles. Like going for like an Alfred Morris? No, thank you. Um, Weber, I guess, but he, he Zeke has to sit out. Uh, Justin Jackson, you know, I, I like the player. But he needs Melvin Gordon to be out to to have any value. So, you know, Austin Eckler in the eighth, 
Tony Pollard was like a last round undrafted guy consistently. Now he's going in like the 15th. But those I think are guys that are worth taking and really hedging, you know, any early shares you have of these running backs. And if you haven't drafted them yet, you know, I think the way I always describe the situation is with Melvin Gordon falling to the second or third round, you want to judge your team. So if he's there in the third round and you feel like you're a little bit behind, uh, take the risk. You know, with Zeke, I'm still I'm still taking him in the first round right now. Um, I still feel really confident that Jerry's going to give him the money. The the one concern I have is Zeke's hanging out in Cabo, and Zeke's a crazy person. So, um, <laughs> well, let's just remember. Think, let's just remember with Zeke last year when he was about to get suspended. He was hanging out in Cabo, so it turned out okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I I do think ultimately that Zeke and Gordon play this season and if they do miss games I don't think it'll be more than a couple yeah I'm with you there I think they do play I think they'll be showing up before the last preseason game and going about their business that way and you know what for guys like them that need to stay healthy why push them they can walk in and play just fine it's it's silly that this is even happening but that is the world of football the other questionable top end running back right now is Todd Gurley the ninth running back off the board going anywhere between, you know, sixth to ninth on most drafts, according to Fantasy Pros ADP. Some people are still saying, you know, 80% of Todd Gurley is great. Some people are scared to death about it. How do you uh, look at Todd Gurley coming into this year, and how do you look at his backup situation if you're concerned about him? Well, I think everything people just said is true. 80% of Todd Gurley is great. Uh, I'm scared as heck of the knee situation. You know, if if it's like the playoffs, he's going to be – legitimately limited and specifically by Daryl Henderson, the rookie running back who's going to be in a ton of sub packages and they're going to try to use in the passing game. And he, I mean, this is a guy that averaged over nine yards per carry in college. So just, he's an explosive running back, the big play hitter and could get, you know, he could take Gurley's pass game work. I think Gurley will still get double digit touchdowns. They're still going to use him, but I think they're going to monitor him. I think he's looking at about 60, 65% of the snaps and, now, going from 80% of snaps and getting every single red zone touch, he's not going to be the girly of old. Um, I don't mind taking him in the third. In the second round, I tend to take all the big wide receivers over him. Okay, yeah, because that's the thing. It seems like either you're going to be all in on the, the girly camp or you're kind of just, if he falls, okay, and I'll roll with it. I still think he can be very good, but it's one of those really frustrating ones because yeah, I just don't know if I can trust you yet. Him and Gordon going back-to-back. Obviously, I take girly now that he has a job, but part of me still thinks Gordon shows up and smokes girly. Uh, so it, it's very, very complicated in that respect. Let's go back to the top five here. You mentioned the guy right outside the four. Number five is David Johnson. I know you took him in the flex draft over the weekend. This is your guy. What is it that you like so much? Is it just the increased offense with Kingsbury and Kyler back there? Or is there something else with David Johnson? Well, I mean, David Johnson's always been a really good running back. And, you know, I don't think there was a player who was misused more than Johnson last year. Uh, with the Cardinals, you know, they wouldn't put him out in the slot. They wouldn't target him and they wouldn't run him outside the tackles. All the things he does well, they tried to just pound him into the line. And that's just not what, who he is. And Kingsbury has already talked about, they're going to basically run four wide and Johnson will either be in the backfield or he will be in the slot and he's going to run against lighter boxes. Yes. His offensive line isn't great, but I'm not worried about it because I I think the, if he's running against five guys, he's going to have lanes. They're going to run 75 plays a game. He'll probably play about 75% of the snaps. I think Chase Edmonds will get in on about 30, and I understand that adds up to 105, but just a situation where they'll both be on the field at the same time. 
Um, I just think David Johnson's going to be in a, you know, incredibly high-paced, spread-out offense that's, you know, kind of ripe for a lot of high upside games. Um, you mentioned Chase Edmonds' name there. That's a name we're starting to hear a lot more buzz about as people see him in camp. People start really grasping the concept you were just talking about there is how many plays can be made and how both of them can be on the field and so on and so forth. Um, you know, a lot of people aren't really handcuffing uh, fans, and I get it. I really do, especially in football. But when you're looking at a guy like Chase Edmonds, he's almost more than a handcuff. He's kind of how Austin Eckler still is very productive, even with Melvin Gordon. Is Chase Edmonds kind of a late-round guy that you'd be looking at, or is he just strictly maybe a best ball late-round guy? Um, I think he's the answer is yes to that question. And he's my <laughs> second highest on running back in best ball after Tony Pollard. He was going in the 18th round for a while, and if David Johnson gets hurt, he could be a league winner, and if not, I think he'll still have a role. I think in, in season long, you're going to need David Johnson to get hurt, but if he does, Edmonds is going to be the number one guy off, off uh, on waivers. And the other thing is he's probably decent for a spot starter or flex play, depending on bye weeks and all that kind of stuff, if he is going to play 30% of snaps and be involved in the the passing offense. So, you know, I think Edmonds, whenever I get to that that place in the draft, I think, does he have a role regardless? You know, and the answer for Edmonds is yes. And if there's an injury to running backs, which there are injuries to running backs like more frequently than any other position, could he be a a top-end league-winning kind of player? And the answer is also yes. So those are the type of running backs I – target late and that's why i target chase edmonds yeah no i like that a lot uh let's go to your backyard Le'Veon bell your new your new toy your new shiny toy that uh, many people are excited about and then i like to remind them adam gase is in town too so temporary but maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm just a spiteful dolphins fan but um what's your expectations for lev bell because he's the sixth running back off the board and if he is anywhere close to what he was with pittsburgh that's value considering we used to take him number one overall yeah, I think the thing is you're with running backs, you're often drafting the situation, not just the player. And they're not going to get Bell the ball as much as um, the Steelers did. He's not running behind the same offensive line, and he's not participating in the same offense. Those are three big negatives. Uh, Adam Gase is there. Like you said, that's a legit problem if we want to look at any running back he's ever given the ball to. you know, I think it's never more than 262 touches he's given a running back. I think Bell beats that. But... Um, I, I think that the Jets' gaze is historically slow. I don't think this Jets team is very good. I think their offensive line, their interior has actually really improved with uh, uh, Kamiche Omosele, and um, they just signed the for, the center from the Panthers, 34 years old. I'm blanking on his name, but you guys should understand. Uh, Ryan Khalil. There we go. And, um, you know, I, I think that that'll go for him. But ultimately, I think he's kind of more of a – late second round pick based on a situation and he's really being drafted off his name. Yeah. That's kind of where I've, I've been avoiding. It's almost after the, the fit, like the DJ comes off the board. I start looking at my, you know, Julio's, my Devante's, the Hopkins of the world in the drafts I've been doing. Or if you want to get weird, James Connors there. And he was a monster last year. And there, there's high expectations for him again this year. There's also concerns that Jalen Samuels in town and he's very, very, uh, good receiving back. Can what's your thoughts on the overall Pittsburgh situation? And like, first, would you take James Conner maybe above Lev Bell or in the top, you know, six or seven running backs? And how concerned are you about Jalen Samuels? I would take him over Le'Veon Bell for sure. Um, 
I am concerned about Samuels. And he's another guy that when I can get him in the 10th, 11th round, I think he's going to be involved in the passing game. You know, this is a guy his last two years in college led all of college football in plays of 15 or more yards. He played wildcat quarterback. He played fullback. He played running back. He played slot receiver and tight end. This guy's going to be on the field, and he's going to be involved in the offense. Um, you know, the thing about the Steelers running back situation is it depends on what day you ask James Conner, right? Like, the man has said, we're splitting carries three ways this year. <laughs> and then the next day he'll say, I'm going to get as much work as I got last year. And then, you know, the, the story is constantly changing. And, you know, today you hear about how shredded James Conner is. Um, I don't mind taking the shot on him, but I'm taking him after Devontae Adams. I'm taking him after Hopkins, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, and Travis Kelsey. Uh, and if he's there, that's when I get my exposure to him. But I'm not going out of my way to get him. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, I, it is funny the way you said it. It's like depends on what day he reports something. Because some days he's like the number one back in all football. Other days they want to temper his workload and make sure. Then he, then he posts a picture really looks like the Incredible Hulk running. Yeah. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. The but, one thing uh, I learned about a lot of these professional athletes is when they take their shirts off, uh, they, they tend to have like decent muscle tone. Yeah, you know, you I know, know we like to get excited up at every one of these guys, but they're all professional <laughs> athletes in ridiculous shape. Even the offensive linemen look better than my Pillbury, Pillbury, Pillbury <laughs> Doughboy ass. Like it's unbelievable what they put together out there. But um, let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Mixon, super super uh, impressive early in the year. Kind of got banged up, but when he was on the field, he was very very good. Uh, he's going right behind guys like Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley, who have question marks. Even behind Lev Bell, where. I still would want to think Bell's ahead of him, but I could I could hear a Mixon argument. What's your thoughts on Joe Mixon right now? Tenth running back off the board. I I mean I wish the Bengals would stop like losing all their players. You know I mean that would help. Jonah Williams, uh, Boiling the guard, they're they they're now down two starting offensive linemen, and the other ones are supposed to be really bad. You know AJ Green's gonna miss half the year or four to eight weeks. And you know the the one thing I will say about Mixon is he got the same exact target share and same exact red zone carry share with or without AJ Green on the field. Um so they they kind of used him the same. For for me, like I think he's a very talented receiver. I think he will get involved in the offense. I think Giovanni Bernard is always going to be a thorn in his side as long as he's there. Bengals aren't going to have good game script. And I don't think he's kind of the exception of the rule like like Saquon Barkley where he's going to just touch the ball a million times no matter what. Um, I have some mix-in. I tend to like when he throw, falls to the mid-second. Again, these, these these three running backs that I'm constantly missing on because I'm taking the top wide receivers over them. Yep. That's exactly been my problem. It's like I want to play with these guys because they're, they're really good, and I know what they can be. They're guys that we drafted in like the third and fourth rounds last year, so you remember them being on your roster because you were taking wide receivers earlier, but uh, it's hard to pull that trigger with the guys we've mentioned in that wide receiving core that just, they dominate football right now. So it's really tough to uh, to take a look at them. Let's go to Kansas City. Interesting stuff here. You got Damian Williams, came on late last year, was awesome in Kansas City. Funny thing is most running backs are awesome in Andy Reid offenses. And now early in camp, he's been banged up. Andy Reid's kind of said a few things. I don't know if it's just to maybe encourage him to get his ass back on the field or he's actually serious that, hey, he's missing valuable reps. You got Carlos Hyde in town. You got some rookies in town. What's your just overall thoughts on this Kansas City backfield when you're entering the draft? Yeah, so I, I've been a buyer of Damian Williams, especially in the sec- like, end of second, you know, early third. You know, one, one, I've seen him go like 110 before, and 
that's a bit rich for me. I think you're you're really buying at a ceiling. But the question is, if you just ignored the name, right? And I told you you were getting seventy five percent of the snaps of the of the Kansas City offense at running back. Would you take him in the third round? Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yes, right. Like and especially yes, yes. when I what if I asked you like his best skill set was uh, as a receiver? I'd like him even more. Yes, right. And he's got four four speed. And I understand he hasn't done much in his career. But the thing about running backs is. You know, in the Andy Reid offense, in that offense, uh, it wouldn't matter whether it's him or Carlos Hyde or, or Darwin Thompson. The, the the other team is not going to be focusing on him, right? So he's going to have some open running lanes be involved in the pass game. And I think, you know, as long as his hamstring can heal, you know, I I, I don't really don't think it's that tough of competition, right? Carlos Hyde has been so inefficient everywhere he's gone. You know, I now I know it's now like Carlos Hyde season, but the day before Andy Reid made those comments. Chiefs reporters were predicting that Carlos Hyde was going to get cut. Yeah, that's um, going to be laugh. Uh, the 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 flip flop because if if he's back in two, a week from now and he looks fine, it's going to be his job. I mean, Andy Reid said it in the offseason that it's his job. He's going to be the workhorse back for us. He's earned that opportunity. Um, I really don't think missing the first week and a half of camp ends that. Now, if he's still out two weeks from now, it's going to make me more nervous, but. I'm definitely want to buy him, and honestly, Darwin Thompson in the late late rounds are are that is the handcuff back for me, uh, with him over Carlos Hyde. Yeah, I'm with you. I just took him in a best ball late, just thinking, just in case anything happens to Williams, I'll take Thompson all day long. And, well, the and thing ride is, that wave. Uh, if you're drafting multiple teams, you're mm-hmm. you're out of your mind if you don't want Damian Williams, Darwin Thompson, or Carlos Hyde. Like you have to bet on one of these guys. Because yes. in this offense, they're going to be very fantasy relevant. And if any of them gets the uh, the lion's share of the workload, they're going to smash ADP. And even if Darwin Thompson and Carlos Hyde play 40% of the snaps, they're going to smash ADP. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. That offense is going to be explosive as hell yet again. And I don't see what's going to stop it, especially in that division anytime soon. Uh, there's there's kind of a three-pack of running backs I put together here. They're like not flashy, but they can be super productive when they're out there, maybe not as much in a PPR, but, you know, depending on what you believe, again, from preseason notes, some are. You have Dalvin Cook going 11th running back off the board. You got Leonard Fournette 14th, and you got Aaron Jones 17th. All three guys that that have super talent as running backs, but we haven't really seen it. Like, you have Fournette, they're saying, is going to be more in the pass offense. Aaron Jones supposedly actually going to be the guy now with McCarthy out of the way. And then you got Dalvin Cook, who, when healthy, was awesome. How do you look at these three running backs? Basically, the way you just described them. <laughs> I mean, these guys, uh, I think Fournette going in the middle of the third is a real value because last year he was a locked and loaded first rounder. And if he stays healthy, he's going to see so much volume in that offense. Um, with Dalvin Cook, it's, it's you know, it's kind of like Leonard Fournette. He's he's a really good player. He's a home run hitter. He can be used in the offense, uh, the passing game. Um, there's a, they're a team that went incredibly run heavy the second half or the last four games of the season, basically once Mike Zimmer took over, um, you're talking about Adam Thielen went from 11 targets a game to four targets a game. I mean, they went run heavy. Um, and so I think Cook's got, you know, he, he could be a big time player, but he has so many soft tissue issues that it's, it's, it is a situation that concerns me, but I definitely want exposure because if he does make it through the season, you know, he could be fantastic. And, Aaron Jones is in the same boat every time he's played, and, and he's been awesome. But he's missed most of camp with a hamstring injury as well. So 
Uh, the good news is I think Jamal Williams is terrible. You know, they got Darren Hall and they got Dexter Williams. I'm not – I think those guys are, you know, potentially last-round punts. But I think Aaron Jones also sets up very nicely. And, it's, and these guys are one of the reasons why I like getting a running back in round one, wide receiver in round two, and then come back with one of these guys. I mean, Cook tends to be going in round two. But uh, come back with one of these guys and have a potential for two featured backs in my offense. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Leonard Fournette because – it's just I, the, the 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 drop in draft seems it's just people are scared of the injuries with him, and I get it. He's been banged up a lot, but at the same time, all these guys get hurt at a moment's notice. They've all talked early: Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. You just go down the list, and, and they've all had they all get banged up. And if they're going to use him more in the passing game, which could be coach speak, but from everything anybody's seen, it's pretty legit. You know, we know Nick Foles loves checking down when he has to, so I think there's a ton to like. Uh, with Leonard Fournette at that price point, like you said, a first rounder last year, now getting him in the third round. That's that's a huge value. Let's talk about a guy that's going right behind him, the 15th running back off the board. Is it carry on season in Detroit? Is he the guy? Can he take that next step to be a, a running back one this year? I mean, if he gets the volume and Theo Riddick's gone and he gets the pass game work, I mean, you know, people love to pull that middle of the season sample size, right? Where um, he fit, he was finishing as an RB1 and, I like carry on a lot. You know, the biggest concerns I have for him are the Lions are going to go slow. And I don't necessarily think they're a, they're a particularly good team and how much game script may hurt him. But um, the other question that no one brings up is what's his goal line targets, the goal line targets, goal line touches going to be? You know, he was basically removed last year for LeGarrette Blunt, who I know people think he's good at the goal line, but he's actually the last three years been horrendous, like worse than the NFL at it. Uh, CJ Anderson's a big body guy that could take those touches away. So, you know, I think they're, I don't think it's the slam dunk that everyone is saying it is. I really liked him before the already got cut where he was going behind the next tier guys we're going to talk about instead of in front of all of them. But I definitely see the upside and I think it's worth taking a gamble on him for sure sometimes. All right. Uh, yeah. I, I think the, the upside is huge, but I think the biggest point you made there is they are such a slow offense. And if they're in the hurry up, how much is he involved in that? That's going to be – which he was when he at times last year. So I guess that is a, an option we just don't know because we haven't really seen it with carry-on. But the, the, the tools are there for sure. Uh, we'll have some quick hitters here after like the top 15, 16 backs. Obviously very important backs. But actually Nick, Nick Chubb is going 12th. But it's like super explosive when he gets the workload. We've noticed that he can bust the big ones – he reminds me of a, a maybe more athletic Ron Dane where he needs that workload to get going, but he's very, very good. Problem is, you mentioned big number 13 from the Giants coming over. They have so many weapons there in Cleveland. Um, they will have Hunt back later in the year, which I personally don't think is going to be a huge deal. But what's your, your thoughts on Nick Chubb? Because this offense seems like it wants to go a million different directions. Yeah, I, I kind of like Nick Chubb, because, but my, my concern is when Kareem Hunt comes back, they kind of – lower Chubb snaps to the 60%. You know, this team, I don't know if they're going to use Duke Johnson in the passing game. They should. If they don't, Chubb could really pay off. Ultimately, I want exposure to this Browns offense because I think they can score a lot of points. Um, but I, I think he can be an, he's going to be an RB1 the first eight games of the season, and then the second half of the season be kind of a mid-tier RB2. So that's one of the things that makes me a little bit cautious with him uh, as the 12th running back off the board. Yeah, that was my biggest thing. I think he's just going too early. I'd rather get like Fournette or even maybe carry on something like that instead of a Nick Chubb. So that's my biggest thing there. 
Uh, Josh Jacobs, the rookie out of Alabama with the Oakland Raiders, speaking of which, Hard Knocks premieres in about two hours from now or so. That'll be fun. But uh, Josh Jacobs, people are raving about this guy, and he's never taken one NFL snap. And John Gruden's in charge over there right now. Are you as high on Josh Jacobs as it seems everybody else is? Uh, I, I like him. Um, kind of at the after the next couple guys we're going to talk about. I don't I don't think he has any competition for snaps. I think the only thing that could hurt him, he's never been able to handle a big workload because he's never had that opportunity. But first round running backs tend to get the ball a ton, and we know Carr likes to target running backs. And I think Jacobs is actually best as a receiver. So, you know, I'm certainly happy to get exposure to him. Uh, I definitely want him to be my RB two though. All right. Uh, Devontae Freeman, he's always had Tevin Coleman or someone else back there. Right now it's Edo Smith. Um, you know, we saw Hill have a big uh, Hall of Fame game. Take that with a big grain of salt. But uh, Devontae Freeman, we know what he can do when he's the guy. Are we confident he's going to be back to that role this year? Or do you think there's going to be someone else to kind of split the load with, like a Coleman in Atlanta? No, I think Freeman's in a terrific, terrific spot you know their offensive line is much improved they added two first round rookies this team has as much talent on the outside as anyone in the nfl Um, they have a probably a hall of fame quarterback Uh, freeman is highly involved in the pass game and dominates red zone touches you know ito smith or brian hill whoever it is i think they're more of a 30 percent kind of guy plus this team plays 12 of their first 13 games in a dome their defense still isn't very good he's game script you know independent and i think ultimately you know he's a touchdown score and pass catch and guy in one of the league's best offenses so the only concern with him is health and i get why the concern for the health is there but like i'm taking him over josh jacobs i'm taking you know i'm I'm moving him up the board and he's a guy that i've really been targeting in that third round i like it uh marlon mack is a very polarizing name in the fantasy industry right now you're either on the train or you want nothing to do with it. Now they've got Dante Foreman in town who was practicing today and taking a lot. Like He almost was splitting first-team reps with Mac, which could just be them trying to get him accustomed to the systems, but at least you have to pay attention to it. Are you a Marlon Mack fan? Uh, I am. Uh, the, the one big thing you want to know with Marlon Mack is his games are pretty easy to predict. <laughs> All of his big fantasy point uh, games were in games where they won by 14 or more points. In games they did not score 14 or, or win by 14 or more points, he did not you know, perform very well. This is really their bell cow guy. They have an, a potentially elite offensive line and a great offense. Uh, he's not going to be super involved in the passing game, though he could be because he has a skill set to do so. Um, but I think this Colts team is going to be really good. And I think there's going to be a lot of spots where they, they're going to be the better team by a significant amount. And then once they get up, they're going to turn around and hand the ball to Marlon Mack 20 times per game in that offense. So um, I, I kind of like Mack in the third, and I think he's good exposure to an explosive Colts offense. Non-running back question real quick. Are you concerned with any of these new reports on Andrew Luck and his uh, injuries? With his calf? Um, I honestly think Andrew Luck needs like three practices to get ready for an NFL game. Um, I'm not, I'm not that worried about it. it. Again, if it's three weeks from now, I'm going to start to get worried about it. Cause then it's one of these lingering things that just doesn't seem to go away. Yeah. I'm with you. It just surprised me. I, I thought it was simple and it's just kind of lingering already and kind of make me wonder. Um, let's go to Denver. Philip Lindsay. Awesome. First season with the Broncos last year. That looked like it was be his, his, his system. They go and bring in Theo Riddick. There's already people chattering that it's going to be back to kind of a shared workload. 
I, I think Philip Lindsay's a beast if they want to feed him. I don't see why they wouldn't want to feed him. What are your concerns with Philip Lindsay this season? Yeah, I mean, I think Philip Lindsay, uh, I like him in the fifth round. You know, so much when we talk about these guys is the cost. Um, I, I think they want to get Lindsay more involved in the passing game. People, I don't, he, he never really dominated touches last year either. He was just uber efficient. But that's because he's a home run hitter. He's a speedster. And, you know, if he gets a step on people, he's hitting a big play. Uh, Royce Freeman might be the quote-unquote better back. But I really think that's some metrics about, like, you know, breaking tackles or whatever it is. And, of course, Freeman's going to break more tackles than, than Philip Lindsay. Lindsay is the size of a small child. I mean, not really. He, but, he's, a, he's a tiny boy, tiny running back. But at the end of the day, he's a home run hitter, a guy that's going to be involved in the pass game. And I, I think, you know, he's a high-ceiling fifth rounder because he's got the role no matter what. And if if, if he does get 65 70% of snaps, he could, he could crush that ADP with his abilities. I like it. Going from small running backs to a rather large individual, Derrick Henry is the 19th running back off the board. He did it to us again last year, Elliot, where like the second half or even last third of the season, he just ran wild and gets everyone's hopes up. And now they're saying it's his deal. And I still personally like Deion Lewis in a PPR league where you're drafting Deion Lewis at. But what's your thoughts on Derrick Henry this year? Do we believe, because the hype train is in full effect again, are we going to believe he can put 16 or let's say 12 weeks of solid football together? Um, I mean, he, And plus right now he's in a walking boot, right? He's not yeah, even. That, that doesn't help either, no. But it's a situation with Henry. That's what he needs. He needs those 20-plus carries. He's a guy that gets a lot stronger. You know, he's not really involved in the pass game. How good do you think the Titans are going to be? You know, they played some teams at the end of the year that basically gave up, and you do not want to give up against Derrick Henry because that dude's a tractor-trailer once he gets four yards. Um, I do think they'll give him the ball, but I think the Titans are about a six- or seven-win team. So um, I would be buying an RB19 if because it's the dip, but the dip is because of the injury, and that makes me, uh, you know, foot problems to start the year. He's already in a walking boot. It's been a couple weeks. Um I, I would be getting a little nervous about Derrick Henry. Would you rather have Josh Jacobs or Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry. Philip Lindsay or Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry. Okay. Uh, let's go to the last one here on this section. Uh, Mark Ingram was a perfect B to Alvin Kamara's A in New Orleans. Now he's going to be the man. Well, I guess he's the B to Lamar Jackson's A, if you really want to look at it. But um, <laughs> he's going to get a lot of carries because what we saw the Ravens do – right after their bye week last year, as they turned into a run, 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 maybe think about passing, run football team. And so Ingram will still get his touches, but there's like three backs plus Jackson. What's your thoughts on Ingram this year? Because I kind of like torn on, I could see him working out well here or just kind of being a boring game where if he's not finding the end zone, it can be very difficult. Yeah, I mean, the the Ravens are probably going to lead the league in rush attempts. And last year they led the league in place. Uh, Greg Roman is a guy who's a very friendly system for running quarterbacks and runners in general. Um, I think Ingram's going to play 60-plus percent of the snaps, and I think that makes him very viable in a team that's going to run that many times and he's going to be on the field that much. Um, I do really like Justice Hill in the later rounds too because his explosiveness, you know, all of his touchdowns were 20 or more yards last year in college mixed with Lamar Jackson's, you know, rushing ability. Doing zone reads, having free defenders, you know, one guy taking one wrong step, having those guys with 4-3 speed in, in the open field is terrifying. So um, I do think you're right that Lamar Jackson is RB1 on this team. 
But I like Mark Ingram and I like Justice Hill because I think there's going to be a lot of carries to go around. Yeah, that's kind of why I think you could take these. Like Ingram is valued. I think Hill's the fun value later on where you could really make some things happen. Uh, let's talk about some – I guess they're not really later round targets. We're talking like, you know, seventh to tenth round type targets uh, where you get your James White and your David Montgomery's popular, Kenyon Drake's volatile name, Lamar Miller's the lone guy. Like the list goes on and on. I, I wanted to make a list and I just realized – you could talk about everybody here too. We don't need to though. <laughs> what are um, some of the main targets after this like first 20 or so guys are off the board? Who are the guys you're looking to as maybe if you punted RBs early and as a, as, as a RB one, if you, if you paid no running backs or maybe an RB two, three, if you took a, a good one early. Yeah. I mean, I think Latavius Murray is absolutely one of them because I think he's going to step into the Mark Ingram role. And in the, the eighth round or seventh round, I think that's a very valuable um, opportunity. You know, I don't know if David Montgomery counts in the fifth round, but I like him. Um, Kalen Balage is a guy who's really risen up draft boards. I'm not sure I'm ready to buy him quite yet, but um, I liked him earlier. Um, you know, Lamar Miller, I, I think <laughs> this is Lamar Miller again. He's going to be boring and he's going to be an RB2. And he's not going to have a ton of great weeks, but he's going to be a nice floor running back to really help you, especially if you want to go zero RB. He's kind of the floor guy you can mix in with your Justice Hills and Jalen Samuels and Chase Edmonds and on upside guys later. Um, he's just he's going to play in a great offense. And that's what you're really looking for. You're looking for, again, snaps and opportunities and potential touchdown equity. The Texans are going to score a lot of points. Um, He's going to be involved. He's going to be on the field. Now, they could trade for a guy, but either way, he's probably still playing 65 70% of the snaps. And, you know, it's it's boring, but I think it's it's great value. Yeah, I'm with you there. That's uh, he's, he's a sneaky good one. I think I end up with Lamar Miller almost every year, at least in like, two, like a third to a half of my teams. And it's boring, <laughs> but it's sneaky because it's like, okay, they're going to give him 15, 20 carries because they're going to play a high-tempo offense. And if he falls into the end zone, he's going to get you 15, 20 points. It's just what he does week in and week out. So it's nothing flashy, but it's productive. Let's do a couple quick hitters before we wrap it up. When you look at teams, we'll just kind of do like a team picture. Just give me who you'd like in this backfield. You had the Niners situation with Coleman, Breida, McKinnon. Who would you be targeting if you're looking at the Niners? Um, I mean, I would target Breida just because he's the last one. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't particularly want the much exposure to that backfield. Um, another team you probably don't want much exposure to, but for shits and giggles, Buffalo, you got McCoy who might be out of town. You got Gore, you got uh, Singletary. What are you looking at there? Uh, can, I, can I can I pick pass? Um, Josh if Allen. I had to pick one of yeah, – honestly, I think he is the RB1 there. Um, it would be Devin Singletary. You know, you just heard a lot of really good things about him at camp. Frank Gore's 800. Um LeSean McCoy is, what, seven, 700. But he might get cut, they're saying. I don't think he does. Uh, TJ Yeldon's there. I just I think it's legitimately a situation where they're going to be a low-volume offense and they're going to have four running backs play. And that's, that's, that's just a situation I avoid in fantasy. Philadelphia Eagles, they should have a very good offense this year. You got uh, new Jordan Howard in town and rookie Miles Sanders. Who would you want out of those two? Miles Sanders. Especially, I mean, the drumbeat is getting louder and louder on that guy being the, by far the most talented guy in that backfield. Yeah, maybe in the rookie class. He's getting close to being up there. Um, 
if you're looking at Seattle, they're going to run the ball like crazy. You got Chris Carson, you got Royce Freeman. Who do you want out of that duo? I want Chris Carson. You know, he was the guy all of last year. He played great for them. He's he's the projected starter right now. And now he goes like one round before Penny. I just don't understand the logic. Yeah, that one's that one's been confusing me for quite some time. Um, any late round targets, like if you could, could be for best ball for all I care, any super late guys you've been targeting pretty heavily. So, yeah, we talked about Pollard. We talked about um, Edmonds. Um, another guy, uh, Jalen Samuels, Justin Jackson, um, Mattinson on the, the, uh, the Vikings. I think, you know, like we talked about with Cook's potential issues. Um, those are a couple of later round guys. Darwin Thompson, who we talked about. Damian Harris, though he's not what he was late round. Too many people have talked about him. And another one that uh, is a bigger name is Duke Johnson. Because yes. ultimately, I think he does get a passing role in the Browns offense. And then second half of the season, he's traded to the highest bidder, you know, probably for a fourth round pick, to a team that experienced an injury at running back or maybe the Bucks or someone trying to make a push and thinks they're running back um, – core could could use a big upgrade so i think you're going to get solid production from johnson the first six weeks in ppr formats and the second half of the season i'm guessing he gets traded and has an opportunity to kind of lead you lead you in the playoffs i am i'm glad you mentioned duke johnson that's a guy i've been such a big fan on recent in recent years in ppr formats he's so good and you know playing dfs he's always so cheap it's like throw him in the in the flex certain weeks or something or use him as a punt running back and he's got that that pretty interesting floor with so much upside that uh, I've always been a big, pretty, pretty big Duke fan. Um, that should wrap us up, Elliot. A lot of good running back discussion there. Before we say goodbye, remind everybody what's going on over at quantage.com. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're preparing for the NFL season. DFS preseason is here. You know, Bubba, you know, you joined for the first time, right? Had a good experience. I think you tripled your money in the yes, Hall of yes. Fame game. And- Yep, never. I told Elliot I've never played preseason in NFL because I thought it was for idiots and degenerates, and I jumped in, and it was amazing because the content is phenomenal. That's Quantage.com. Thank you very much. Yeah, and we're going to be providing like 24, 25 pieces of content per week for the NFL. All those tools I talked about, new website, iOS app launching this football season, you know, brand new optimizers, just a fantastic experience. And uh, our premium membership chat is something that I know everyone is talking about how great it is. You know, be able to interact, ask questions, all that good stuff. So check it out at thequantage.com. And again, use a free trial or you can sign off, sign up with promo code POWERHOUR for $25 off uh, your NFL season package. Yeah, and I, I mentioned it on, uh, I believe it was Quick Hits last week, that after the Hall of Fame game, I didn't give any names away, but I mentioned how good that membership chat is because of all the news that's coming in and out even right now as we speak, but right before the game. And even some, I would let's just say, quote-unquote, fantasy celebrities made appearances in there to talk with people. I'm not going to reveal names, but um, there's a lot of help that goes into that chat. That's what I'm trying to tell people. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, makes, it makes it worth the price almost alone. There's, there's, some, uh, there's some people that aren't necessarily even associated with the Quant Edge that are in there that you guys will have heard of. Yes, that's what I was referring to. So uh, really good stuff. I hope everybody checks it out. And Elliot, as always, thanks for joining me. Thank you. All right, everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 199, Fantasy Football Running Back Preview with Elliot Chris of the Quant Edge. Catch you guys later. Mm-hmm.